Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach, Christopher McCollum. And good morning. Thank you very much. Uh, that's the voice of Dick Warren. My name is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach here with Alex Terranova. Alex, would you say that we were partners in this endeavor? Would you say that you were my better half? Would you say, how would you just define your role here? I mean, if I had to choose one word, I would probably say lovers. That would probably be the word that I would choose. You'll be hearing from and, my attorney uh, in the morning. Yeah, probably uh, your wife also. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe not. Um, all right. Uh, that's the voice of Alex Terranova, PCC, Professional Certified Coach. You can find out more about Alex by going to thedreammason.com, where you, let's see if I can say everything. You've written uh, two books. You've got a third one coming out, but you've written Fictional Authenticity and uh, Redefining Masculinity, you're in there. Uh, you have the Dream Mason podcast. You also, uh, what else do you do? You coach some people? I coach some, I coach some people. Uh, I'm actually, there's a new podcast we have launching on June 1st, uh, which is probably the first kind of, I want to say, out there spiritual um, energy, kind of unseen things in this universe podcast. It's called The Frequency Shifters. And it's actually going to be really totally different for accomplishment media, but we went out and got people from like Gaia TV network and people that do sound healing and quantum physics experts. And we like, you know, we talked to them about what are Lumerians and Atlanteans and, all right. you know, all these things that I knew nothing about before I got to get on start doing this podcast. Now, are you I'm hoping you're the skeptical voice. Are you the skeptical voice in this? So my partner, Corinne Summers, is she's like the expert. She's the Reiki teacher, spiritual guru, yogi. Um, I am the everyman. I'm the one who said, oh, Lumerians are like the L.A. Atlanteans. You know, I'm I'm, I'm trying to bring it, you know, down to uh I'm trying to bring it down to a grounded level so people can feel safe, you know, and, and like understand it. I don't know if I'm skeptical because I definitely am into it, but I'm definitely asking the silly basic questions that the average person, you know, might not know. Yeah. It would, it would not surprise you that that stuff's too woo woo for me, but you could tell by my yeah. 1980s style shirt today, right? That, yeah, that's shirt. too woo woo for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Right, you're, you're like back in time. As, as always, we have a couple of moments together before we get to our, our very, very prestigious guest today. Uh, but um, here's the thing I did. I wanted to tell you, first of all, I did the second I did the second shot. Have you had your second shot yet? I got it yesterday. Did you? And you're here today? That's awesome. I, I feel great. I went down for the count, man. I was down. No, my body's down. a machine. <laughs> That's what everybody tells me. That's what was written on the wall um, <laughs> all right uh yeah so a that and good for you oh, yeah, and thanks. you know i know you're supposed to be pc about this stuff but really like when it comes well, you know, to i was like i was you know i was like a little begrudgingly about it i've came up i i generated myself into doing it for other people in community and you know whatnot well here's the thing i did to celebrate is i booked a trip to europe how ridiculous oh, wow. is that right i mean that's that's pretty awesome where are you going Italy. They open up Italy, even though it's got, yeah. So I'm terrified. I'm horrified. I'm terrified. And, and at the same time, very excited to get on an airplane and go far away. 
I love and, it. I'm going to I'm going to Hawaii in like it's what eight days. You you didn't invite me? No, sorry. You know, I thought my mom did because you you know you brought up my mom earlier. I thought you two were talking, you know, but so I guess she didn't, which is good for my dad. So that's you know a good thing. All right, let's get to it. I, uh, I thought that was going to be more interesting than it was, so let's just move forward. The, uh, well, it's going to be when you tell us what you do when you came back, when you come back from Italy. Then it's going to be really interesting. That's right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, man, I cannot tell you how much delight I take in our next guest, in our, in our one and only guest today. Uh, Dr. Patrick Williams is not only been a coach for four decades, He's a founding member of the International Coach Federation. That would be a, that would be enough, right? But he's also an inaugural member of its Circle of Distinction. He's a master certified coach, a board certified coach. He's a member of the Forbes Coaching Council. As an educator, he's a founding member of the Harvard University's Institute of Coaching. He's taught graduate students. Uh, he's named Educator of the Year by the New England Educational Institute. He's past president of the Association of Coach Training Organizations, ACTO. He's also an ICEF past board member and an honorary VP of the International Society for Coaching Psychology. Initially, as I believe, trained as a psychologist. Please welcome on our microphones. Welcome back, Dr. Patrick Williams. Hello, sir. Yeah, hello, Christopher. Good to be here. Thanks for uh, being had, as we like to say. Hey, look around outside. Where are you? I'm in Windsor, Colorado. That that nice picture behind me is the river outside my house. That is beautiful. Yeah. Um, you are. This is this is my my favorite thing to talk to you about. First of all, you're a delightful human being, and I'm privileged to call you a friend. But the the thing about you is you've done a little bit of everything, and not just a little bit. So one of the things that I want to talk about is after four decades of coaching, what has your interest these days? What are you up to now? Oh, that's a great question, because I've been using the word repurposing. I'm, I'm not retiring, but I'm not doing that much individual coaching anymore, a little mentoring. I volunteer some coaching to formerly incarcerated prisoners that I worked with. So I volunteer there. I, every once in a while, I coach Navy SEALs through a foundation on they come back for career coaching. So I dabble here and there. I, I do some mentor coaching. I'm an ICF assessor, which I'll probably ramp up a little bit with the new competency training that's coming because I like it a lot better than the old training. Um, and I just stay busy with local activities and um, looking for what's coming next for me. You know, and I, I'm not sure what it is yet, but it's taken form. Should we tell people that you guys are like, aren't you guys like besties? Like, aren't you, you know, in the, the more like trendy term, aren't you guys like very close friends? We it's are. It's going to lead to somewhere, no? I wouldn't know about very close. I mean, I don't owe Patrick money if that's what you're asking. <laughs> oh, wait, I've got the IOU. You forgot. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, we are. I, we, we are in a men's group, which is rare these days. And we've been in it for like three years, I think. So, um, okay. So you guys, okay. I had the opinion. I was going to ask you a question to go back, but that you two had known each other for, for years and years oh, yeah. and years. A long time. Way okay, back. Okay. So here, so now, now I get to ask this. Yeah. So I'm, this is a question for both of you because you, you're both master certified coaches. You've both created training programs, Patrick, you've, you sold one. Um, but you're both at, you know, in a very small percentage of people who've been doing this for a long time and mastered the craft. 
I'm curious what you both see about each other in like the transformational sense, like from Patrick, where you saw Christopher, where he was to now, Christopher, where you saw Patrick from where he was to now. Well, I can tell you my my view from a distance of Christopher, because <laughs> we only used to be together like once a year, or maybe twice when we did actually physical showing up things. But I've I've no I mean, this is the third time I've been on his radio program and one was probably 20 years ago. I don't know when it was, but, you know, I've, I've seen him create things and his accomplishment coaching and graduates of that I know and his radio programs. Um, I, I just see him as being so eclectic, which is one of my favorite words. Coaching is the compass, the middle, which is one of my metaphors for my life. But there's all kinds of things that get created and changed and shifted and certainly had to do that during COVID because a lot of his trainings were live. So, I mean, not that you're not alive when you're on Zoom, but, you know, <laughs> live in person. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's so, so kind of you. Thanks. Yeah. I love the question. Um, you know, I think that uh, one of the most challenging things, especially Patrick has always been willing to be in the limelight, like willing to be first, you know, the tip of the spear kind of. And that's a dangerous place to be usually because that's where all the, you know, uh, targets are painted on the leaders and the pioneers and the first people to go. Right. So uh, I've seen Patrick in places where he's been, you know, fielding uh, very pointed questions. I've seen Patrick in places where he's been receiving awards and, and uh, being honored, but, you know, for a guy who represents coaching and especially most recently the programs are about transformational living that's a tough gig because you've got to actually embody and represent transformational life if you're going to talk about that and it's true you know one of the things that i've been privileged to be with patrick through and sorry about talking about you like you're not here but you've been through some real hell personally and proof not professionally so much but personally even as your professional life was going really well, right? Sudden death of a, of a spouse and other things that have, that have really challenged you. And you've been open-hearted and vulnerable and willing to talk about it. Even when, you know, I've seen you in large groups of people with tears streaming down your face, talking about the most painful part of the center of you. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, badass. That's not, that's not, uh, well, uh, I, yeah, my philosophy is for a long time. I mean, why I became a psychologist, I learned early on about the power of self-disclosure in the right place, right time, right, you know, to be real, to be honest, not to have the message that most boys get, which is stuff it, grow a pair, get, be a man, don't be a wussy. You know, I was allowed to express and found the freedom that comes with not hiding shit. Oh, excuse me. This is not radio. Not not hiding. Um, you could say that. Yeah. I've, I've checked with our sensors. It's not the George Carlin era with the seven words. Here, I'll repite them. The seven words you can't say in radio. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, yeah, I think that somehow that's been my theme. I and mean, why I got into psychology in the first place wasn't to fix people, but to really help them grow through instead of just go through. That you're not a label. You're not broken. You... You're not a diagnosis. I, I kind of avoided all that. Um, and coaching then became the natural answer because then you partner with clients who can see themselves as more capable and creative and resourceful, as we say in the ICF. 
And for me, that fit my early training with people like Carl Rogers, who talked about unconditional positive regard, empathic listening, and joining. Well, duh, that sounds kind of like coaching to me. So that was an early influence of the coaching philosophy. Um, and that's what I'm about today. You know, I'm, I don't like to use the term wise elder. I'm not sure what I'd call myself, but I've, I've lived and, and created enough with the help of other people and coaching that now I'm, I'm trying to put out my living legacy. And that's the transformational part. In fact, Alex, what you guys were saying at the beginning, I think it was under recording, I'm all into this new stuff about energy because that's my doctoral program was transpersonal psychology in 1977. I mean, that's the woogity boogity stuff back then, you know, studying uh, <laughs> east-west philosophies, psychedelics, uh, body, body, mind, spirit sorts of things. And, and then that had to kind of go on a shelf for a while. But now today we've got research and neuropsychology that proves a lot of that stuff. Now, I don't, I don't know about alien abduction, but you know, I've certainly energy shifting, understanding the power of energy, even over long distance. I feel that in coaching. Um, I think we're all starting to understand some of this stuff we thought was weird is not so weird today. I want to ask you about where you kind of started with this. Um, you kind of touched on a little bit about masculinity, yes, a little bit yes. about the Christopher, Christopher kind of like pushed you into it with the, you know, crying and yeah. You, and you kind of stated a paradigm that used to exist. I'm curious from your, you know, your perspective on what you've seen, how, how is the, like, what's, what is that for you? What's the paradigm of masculinity that's shifting and, um, and what do you see like healthy masculinity as? That's a great question. I think it was two, maybe three years ago, a few months after the Parkland shooting in Florida, I heard some of the boys that went to that school who were kind of being vocally active, interviewed on national public radio. And I was driving in my car, they're interviewing them. And they said, well, you know, 97% of mass shooters, mass killers at schools are men. What do you think that's about? And they said, well, we're still, we still get the message pounded into us that don't cry, don't feel, don't share, grow a pair, be a man, don't be a wussy. And I went, oh God, is that still the prevailing philosophy? But what I see shifting is that younger people aren't standing for that. There's more of a acceptance of a range of feelings. All feelings are good, some just don't feel good. Um, I wrote an article shortly after that with uh, Forbes Coaching Council because I read that the CEO of Goldman Sachs was asking all his managers to become more transparent and that they would have a philosophy in the workplace that if employees came to work and you said, hi, how are you? You really wanted to know the answer. <laughs> and they might say, oh, I'm glad you asked me. My daughter set my wife and I down last night and my 16 year old's pregnant. I'm not sure what we're gonna do. And all the manager has to do is say, God, that must be really tough. Thanks for sharing. If there's anything we can do to support you, let us know. But I appreciate you telling us. That's it. You don't have to do the story. You just have to acknowledge the authentic um, wound or scar or scrape or whatever you call it. So I think there's a shift. I, I do see messages. Um, you see it in commercials. You see it in sports figures being interviewed. Um, it's not just tears, but that used to be the emotion that was hidden, wasn't it? Like real feelings. Um, I mean, when Kobe Bryant died, oh my God, you saw 
you saw big name sports figures not being afraid to be tearful on camera. Now that was a massive event, but I think that shows up in a lot of ways. And there's some books, there's some research being done. I, I think it is showing a change. Um, there's a book I like called Permission to Feel by a guy named Mark Brackett at Yale University. And, and he's got this whole movement that elementary schools should teach emotional intelligence in schools. Well, we've known that for a long time. I wish they would emphasize it because boys need to understand that they don't have to hide that whole part of their personality. Things happen. Is that complete for you, Alex? It's such a delicious topic, but I know there's a thousand things I want to talk to Patrick about. Go for it. You sure it's complete? I mean, I could, we, me and Patrick could, I could, I could keep going on this conversation. <laughs> and so it's not, there's a lot of things. So keep going. Well, Patrick, so as Alex alluded to earlier, you're one of the few people on the planet who started successfully, ran, and successfully sold a coach training organization. And I know we've talked about it before here, but it's been a while. And I'm wondering, as you see more and more coach training programs, you know, some of which are as brief as two hours on a Saturday, right? And some of which are, are more dramatic. I'm wondering, you know, I guess I'm looking for some perspective in terms of coach training. You're obviously very clever and well-timed to be able to have sold such a thing. But as you see coaches coming up and coach, and as you survey the coach training landscape, what are your thoughts? Anything you want to share? Well, I'm glad I was early. I mean, I, I, I created a school that actually came out of the fact that I specialized in therapists and counselors and other helping professionals. So there was a lot of them that wanted to add coaching to their business. I was speaking to major psychology conferences. All of a sudden, I had a bunch of therapists hire me to do group coaching about how do I do what I do? How do I add coaching to my business? And the more I talked, they said, "You need. we need a curriculum. I said, I don't know anything about writing a curriculum. And they said, you talk, we'll type. So that became my first 30-hour course. And then the ICF started creating accreditation of schools. And so now there's you know, the school I sold in 2010 has now got 40-some teachers and probably thousands of hours if you want to choose between the, the 125 that you might want to take. So I was early. I'm thankful for that. And I can't believe that it became instead of, like, I was the 12th school approved by the ICF in the world. Now there's probably 1,200, if not 12,000. Um, but there's also a lot more coaches. I think people have a flavor to choose. Some are with colleges. Some are live, uh, in-person experiential. Uh, it it approaches an international audience that's awesome to see. But I think I've, I have a word that way before it was popular, serendipity used to be in my license plate decades ago. Um, so I did it all with collaboration. I didn't do anything on my own. I had an idea. Somebody heard it. We collaborated. I had an idea for a book. I got a co-author. You know, I wouldn't, those books would not have been written if I didn't have a co-author bannering back and forth and collaborating, helping each other. So everything has been done with the help of somebody else, not in a silo by myself. It's, uh, it's so great to hear that perspective as well as, um, you know, to 
to know that you were sort of among the first, even as the ICF was getting created, there you were providing coach training. From your experience with coaches these days, and I know that you've been sort of, you know, as you said, right here, <laughs> you're in there with everything from um, reviewing coaching and also providing a lot of coaching. What do you think is missing in coach training these days? Oh, that is a good question. Um, well, I mean, I thought, I'll just say this, way back in the beginning when we were creating the, the, the three credential types, I fought the creation of Master Certified Coach, even though I am one. It's like, how are you going to measure mastery? That's a, little, that's a little out there. You know, why don't we just have diplomate in coaching? that you've done books, you've done leadership, you've done this and that, you get a diplomate. But it's turned out that a lot of the growth of the industry does have a way to assess mastery. You know, it's kind of a more nuanced uh, joining in coaching than just professional certification. So I fought that and see, well, all right, it it's as good as observing anything else. like. Like uh, Ixot Perlman still has a coach. He doesn't think his performance was perfect. I didn't hear any flaws, but I'm not a cellist. So I think what may be missing now is the inclusion, more and more are doing this, but the inclusion of neurology, neuropsychology, the research that informs coaching. That doesn't tell you how to coach, but it informs what works, what's going on in the conversation space, emotional space, uh, transpersonal visualization, all the things we do. And maybe the other one in training organizations is, uh, I'm, I'm, some people call it DEIB, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I now call it JEDI, justice, equality, uh, diversity and inclusion. I like it's more wizardry, right? Jedi. I like that. Um, and it's not just about race and sex and age and this and that. It's about the whole concept of how does the organization, as we are as a training organization, how to create the psychological safety where you attract diversity, where people feel they can speak up. It's a concept called psychological safety. Um, so I think a lot of the theory, neurology, research needs to be more prevalent in coaching more than techniques. Because when I, I only assess at the PCC level, my, my life partner assesses at MCC level. Um, and there's what, 1300 MCCs now. I mean, that's still a very small number of many, many coaches, but people are striving to be the best they can. And just because I achieve master certified coach doesn't mean I'm always masterful. I mean, I'm not. There are, you know, there are times I hung up and go, God, that was, I was disconnected or that wasn't, I would change that, you know. So that's a long answer to, I think we keep evolving. And if there's a couple things that's missing, it's probably research and neurology and current current research, not just evidence-based coaching, but the psychoneurology and, and then the justice, equity, diversity, inclusion principles. It's really great. Uh I should point to some of the books that you've written, including Therapist as Life Coach, Becoming a Professional Life Coach, Total Life Coaching, Law and Ethics in Coaching, Becoming a Professional Life Coach, and then most recently, Getting Naked with Your Clothes On. 
Right. Um, I I know that you're building, you've built on this getting naked theory. Do you want to tell us about that? What's the, it's it's certainly provocative, right? Titillating. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Well, that book came to me. I actually, I actually was stuffing ideas for that book in a cubbyhole for 10 years. Chapter titles. It was something I wanted to write. There's a whole story about that, how I evolved the idea way back with a professor in my master's program. And it just stayed in the background when I wrote these professional books. And trust me, I never thought I'd be writing a book on the law and ethics of coaching or co-editing it. Yeah. I, can't, I can't tell you it was a bestseller. It, uh, it's out there and used in some universities, but it's not one people go grab, you know. Uh, the Getting Naked was a personal memoir, is what they call it, that I'm telling why I found value in being more authentic, be real. The Velveteen Rabbit Approach is one of my chapter titles. Um, Your Shadow, Don't Leave Home Without It. So I have funny little titles with a serious subject about emotional vulnerability sharing at the right time, right place, right person. That evolved into a course for coaches and therapists now called Conscious Living Mastery. But the metaphor throughout that training is the getting naked. For coaches, it's like, where are your rough spots that might need a, a little smoothing out? Who, what's something you need to share that holds you back? What's something that people don't know about you that you might just need to share? You don't need to, to you know, make a movie out of it. Um, and then that also helps us be more present and uh, available to create that magic space with our clients, uh, because they're also going to be sharing things they don't, don't share with other people. Not deep, dark secrets necessarily, but things they gave up on, things they don't tell everybody else. Um, I made this statement the other day, and then I'll I'll, let, I'll bounce it back to you. Just because we develop trust and intimacy, trust and safety with our clients, they they know what they share with us is private and confidential, but that doesn't mean they share everything. There may still be things like I can say, and is there anything else under that iceberg that you haven't shared? Or, you know, if you put a snorkel mask on right now and looked under the surface, what's there that's part of holding you back or pushing you forward or whatever? What haven't you shared with me? So that's what I like to get to. That's the transformational versus transactional coaching right there. That's awesome. I love that. And uh, it also reminds me of the times that I haven't told something to my coach. And I'm like, what am I doing withholding from my coach? Right. That's ridiculous. Right. I'm right. saving it for my, I'm saving it for my therapist. Right. You know, I tell everything <laughs> my coach, what do I say to my therapist? Well, um, so, but we've, we found out that a lot of people that went to a therapist only went because there were no coaches then. They really didn't need to see a psychotherapist, but mm -hmm. that was a prevailing helping profession. So. Mm. Tired of presentations with no impact, no inspiration, and no traction? Do dull speakers have you and your team disengaged and distracted by smartphones? Christopher McAuliffe brings energy, insights, and two decades of experience delivered with punch, humor, and heart. Your team will leave energized, uplifted, and with a sense of purpose. Visit ChristopherMcAuliffe.com to bring some heat to your next speaking engagement. M-C-A-U-L-I-F-F-E. ChristopherMcAuliffe.com. 
Are you seeking to change your career to something that is both fulfilling and challenging? Do you want to help people reach their full potential and strive to achieve their dreams? Would you like to inspire those around you and help create a better world? If you're serious about a career change or just want to explore the craft of personal coaching, contact Accomplishment Coaching with locations across the country in Washington, D.C., Seattle, Chicago, New York City, and San Diego. Accomplishment Coaching is the leading institution in personal coaching. Our staff carefully monitors the entire program live during the training process and have met the strict standards of ICF International to achieve accreditation. Through a focus on quality instruction rather than endless modules of training, Accomplishment Coaching will guide you from your very first step all the way to becoming one of the finest coaches in the world. Visit AccomplishmentCoaching.com to learn more. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now. The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach. I, I want to go back like a second because you, you were both kind of talking about this, but I don't know that it got fully addressed. Um we're sitting here three white men two of two of you are on the in the older category unfortunately um not to be a, a not to be an ageist um but you're more in the uh, later period of your life and you know there's a, always this talk as we as we're in this world of hey we don't need to go to the minorities and the oppressed groups and tell them how to be better or have them tell us how to be better like right. we need to be the leaders. And I'm curious from your perspective, um, as a coach, as a leader, someone who's, you know, leading the ICF, like what, how, how are you helping us evolve? How are you helping? Um, you know, I had someone say to me the other day, I just like, don't know what to do. Cause I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Uh, how, how, and right. And then that's totally fair, right? People don't necessarily know, right. We don't have the awareness always to know. So how are you as a coach and as a leader making a difference in that space, especially as a white, an older white man in the space? Well, it's interesting because I'm not involved. I mean, I sold my school. I still teach a couple of classes every, I mean, I, about six times a year, I teach a class mentoring or on metaphors. Um, and I do webinars for other places. So I'm kind of on the outside as a wise elder looking in at what the ICF and European Mentoring Council and everything, what are they doing? But I still go to places like Harvard's Institute of Coaching has a great ongoing group on how not to be a racist. I mean, I know I have privilege. I'm a white male, whether I've learned how to, quote, not be racist, to be more sensitive, to be more aware. I still have things I know I can do without the same reactions that other people may have um, because of inherent bias. But it's not just about white and black, male and female. You know, it's we're all we're all part of the human race. We all have proved with the DNA studies that we're all the same, except when we're not, <laughs> because even a group, you know, white male, they're not all the same. There's just a sociological perspective. So I guess the short answer is what I'm trying to do is teach myself, learn myself. Um, organizations like ACTO, the Association of Coach Training, really emphasizes that the coach training organizers, because that's who is a member of that, include some conversation and current research on JEDI, you know, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, the, the, the coaching profession for a long time was pretty white. 
and more females than males, by the way. Um, but it's shifted. It, it shifted a lot. India is huge. Uh, there's more and more African-Americans that are involved. Um, Asians. I mean, I, I think it's really probably not balanced, but it certainly is more inclusive than it was in the beginning. I don't know if that answered your comment or question, but I'm curious if Chris, Christopher, do you have anything to add or because it was, I mean, it was a little bit for both of you. I asked it to you because you are our guest, Patrick, but I'm curious yeah. if Christopher has anything. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Alex. Will you restate the question? I was distracted. Something smelled like yeah. burning and I was worried that I was going to burst into flame. What? <laughs> yeah, that's it's your soul. Um, <laughs> you, um, <laughs> I love that you still think I, just, I have a soul. I, I, I just... I just asked as uh, as two three white men sitting here and, and two in the on the older side of the demographic scale. Um, How dare you? To, again, to not be ageist, I'm, I apologize. But um, what are you as a coach, as a leader? What are you doing, or what is there that you see to be done that? you know, from your standpoint as a leader, that we don't have to go ask, you know, the oppressed groups or minorities, like, hey, how do I be better? That you actually can can help others and figure that out. Yeah, it's just courageous conversations, right? Like, like most things, you know, since I read Black Beauty as a child, um, the uh, sorry, that's sounds tone deaf given the topic, but you know what I mean. There's a, there's, there's a book that you read when you're a kid that lets you know, hey, you got to say what's so to people. And for me, that was that book. Um, the the thing that recently Patrick and I were in a conference together, at least I saw him there, and um, and we had breakout sessions about this very thing. And I think courageous conversations that are led by uh, white people when there's something to confront in another white person. So I was in a breakout group and this very esteemed coach was saying something that was po uh, politically incorrect, tone deaf, and maybe a little bit ignorant in terms of, you know, well, I don't experience white supremacy, right. As a white person. And I, you know, there was an African-American in our group and I was like, no way is this person going to take the heat, right? So I stepped in and said, listen, I think that, you know, this is a, a very common understanding or misunderstanding of white people. So let's look at this and let's talk about that. Really, there's a lot of oppression and a lot of, I mean, that we're ignorant of our privilege is kind of how it works. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think it's on us to bring it up everywhere as often as possible. And that takes the willingness to talk and be, you know, potentially in the crosshairs, but also the willingness to be courageous, to bring it up everywhere we go. And coach training is a perfect place because if we can start talking about it at the beginning, then it's not going to be unusual to talk about it all the way through their coaching career. Yeah, Sorry, that's the distinction between training as a coach and when you're coaching, you don't discuss the topics. You just be who you're being um, and hope there's a and you've found a connection with your client. But in the training, just like with neuropsychology, et cetera, there needs to be some awareness of the underlying current that is there. I'm so grateful for you to bring that to us, Alex, and, and thank you, Patrick, for talking about that. Patrick, I would be very unhappy if I didn't talk to you about a couple of things close to my and I think a bunch of other people's hearts, which is um, you work with 
prisoners, with people who have been convicted of crimes. And I know there are a lot of coaches who would love to do that kind of work. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and if there are opportunities for other coaches to get involved? Well, yeah, here's what happened. I created way back in 2006 a nonprofit called Coaching the Global Village. Now, I got some grants in the beginning, and it wasn't about prisoners. We went to uh, developing countries in Africa and Jamaica and places and, and in French and Haiti to teach the coach approach to local leaders to solve problems at the local level. And that went well for a while, and the funding dried up. And then all of a sudden, there was a woman who was a former white-collar criminal herself, who's also trained as a coach, who started working with formerly incarcerated women prisoners. Well, I had done, well, I, I actually, my textbook, or I should say program curriculum from the Institute for Life Coach Training, when I sold it to the woman who bought my school, she donated the curriculum to 100 plus prisoners over many years uh, in a federal prison. So they trained in an ICF approved curriculum. The 19 or so that have gotten out, nine of them are working with me. Uh, I, I donate mentoring, and they've created a group called Reentry Coaching Academy, RECA. So if anybody is looking for a way to help expand that, if they know funding sources, uh, I'm going to close my nonprofit. They're going to create a 501c3 specifically for that, and I'm going to continue to be on their board and uh, mentor them. So Reentry Coaching Academy, uh, they provide coaching. They want to do coaching in a community and even include if they had funds, like if somebody gets a job as an ex-incarcerated uh, person, then they can have a coach available to help them with the adjustment. The employer can know that they're not going to be a problem. And in fact, most of the time, they're better employees than many people that are out there. So it's working on coming back and being accepted as citizens and not having that recidivism rate send you back to prison because you don't have a life. Uh, there's and, a lot more, but that's all I can say about it now. And is that just for people who get, who've just been released from prison or is there work that you're doing still in prison? Well, no, I'm not doing any more in prison. In fact, the federal prison Bureau of Prisons kind of curtailed that. It, it was too positive a program, had too many good results, I guess. Um, but there are other efforts out there, and this this group of men, uh, mostly black and Hispanic, not all, but they're working in their community of Pittsburgh and Detroit and doing some great work. So I'm just trying to support them and hope it expands. The woman in New York, same thing. I hope they can finally find some funding now that America, per, for example, is learning that um, the sentencing was a little out of whack. Um, during the war on drugs and other things. Can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Patrick, is there, for people listening to this, is there ways to, you know, if you're a coach, can you get involved in this? Can you donate your time or is this? Well, is there there's other else? organizations that I don't know about, but you can certainly write, if they want to write me, I can give them the name of the person who's kind of the chairman of the board of that group. And they do want to grow. So there may be a way for them to model trainings that they do. Mm -hmm. um, they also work with local like probation departments, uh, children's organizations for first offenders. So that let's, let's keep them out of prison to begin with. Right. But they'll all tell their story about how coaching changed their life in prison, that it helped them communicate differently, have a different mindset, their families, 
would say, what happened to you? <laughs> it stopped uh, fighting in the federal prison. Now, this was a prison we trained. The first few classes were like 30 at a time. There's 700 people in the prison. But the ones who stepped up to take the training, it was life transforming. So can people get involved? Um, yeah, they, they can write me and say they want to be connected to the uh, uh, formerly incarcerated prisoner programs. I can give them both names. And, uh, and maybe they'll find other organizations that are working on something similar. Great. And how should people reach you? Where do you want people to write? Just doc, doc coach, D-O-C-C-O-A-C-H at M-E.com. Very good. That, that's that egotistical site where you'll me.com, but that's actually Apple's fault. That's what they called it. So it's all, it's all about me. Yeah. <laughs> doc coach at E.com. I'm, I've had a lot, I want to, like, a, again, a slight transition, but I've had a lot of conversations with young, like, I want to say newer coaches, you know, first, second year. Um, and I love when we have people like both of you here, but um, to look at like what's made a difference in your businesses and, and practices over time. Um, from my standpoint, being six years into this, I'm like, it's consistency and coaching as many people as you can. That's like when I, when they ask me, I'm like, just coach as many people as you can. Don't worry about your website. Don't worry about your niche. None of it matters from, from your two standpoints, get create going from being like, I'm a coach to, I have a business or a company. What do you see Patrick in, in making that difference? Like what advice would you give newer coaches or coaches like in those first few years? Well, yeah, coach where you can and, and then record it and listen to yourself. I mean, you, you, the more you coach, the better you're going to get. Despite the best school you can go to, you're going to learn most from your clients. So coach, coach, coach. But get supervision. on. Oh, I hate the word supervision. Doggone, I said it. Get some mentoring on that coaching. Get some observation from a more senior coach, not a peer who's at the same level you are. And the other thing is, I'm no marketing expert, but you're not selling coaching. What you're selling, and I hate, you know, people hate that word, but what you're offering is results. And you're not going to tell the results, but the results are going to get created. You're, so you're not selling you as the coach. You know, you're a, it's a process of a conversation that people don't have anywhere else. So new coaches should also have a coach, whether they're in a group, whether they can afford to hire the best coach they could. I, I made a pact to hire the best coach I could every six months in the first four years of my training. And I you know, spent good money, but it also motivated me to get some clients who paid me. <laughs> so practice, coach, um, don't, don't fall for the marketing charlatans that sell you LinkedIn messages every day. Yes, no, you don't need a website. You don't need a business card. You need to look for um, centers of influence or what I call rainmakers that can send you paying clients. People who know you that don't know what you do. Let them know what you do and that you're looking for people they might know then you're not selling to them. You're selling to who they know. So that's, that's my advice. Do you want my two cents or shall I, shall I defer to our great and powerful guest? I mean, if, I mean, if it's, if it's worth more than two cents, I think it'd be good. I, I echo and underline and highlight everything Patrick said. The only thing that I, that I would add is that there's a, when I remember starting coaching and you may, you may be closer to this, Alex, that uh, it felt like I was going to have to hustle forever. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, every day I'm hustling. And and then after about, I think, I think it was two to three years. Patrick, do you remember when you had when you finally like didn't have to hustle anymore? Yeah, two to three years. And then it becomes a referral-based business. Um, yeah. other, other things fall in your lap because you look for opportunities. But yeah, it's happy customers send you new people. Yeah. And and the other advice I got is actually from a friend of, of both Patrick's and mine, Jody Jan Schaefer Larson, uh, who uh, who every time I I lose a client or a client completes with me, I don't lose them. I know exactly where I left them. Uh, I I get down in the mouth sometimes, like oh, you know, even after twenty, how many seven years, I'm not going to get another client. And I call my friend Jody, and she says. Knucklehead, just go call one of your former clients. Just go call one. And I always do. And I'm like, how are you doing? And they're like, oh my God, it's so great to hear from you. And you changed my life and everything's great. And then I mentioned like, oh, I've got an opening now. And they're like, oh, I'm going to send you somebody, right? Yep. So it's it gets so much easier after the first two or three years, but you got to put in the work, I think, yep. at the beginning. Uh, the call, like I reach out to a lot of a former clients and I'll, I'll send them like just vi- like voice memos and, you know, just using the technology sometimes just so it's not like just to, just to connect. I send people cards and whatnot, right. but I'm, right. I'm totally with you that my first three years, like I was leaving it all on the field and it was hard and not fun and a grind. And, and there was a moment in there where it shifted and completely changed. And now, you know, six years in, it's we can still work very hard, right? Nobody takes that away from us, but the but it but you don't have to. And the business essentially, if you do a good job and you coach a lot, you know, it's able to flow to you. Yeah, let me comment on your word earlier about don't worry about your niche. I mean, there's there's controversy. You know, it's it's good to have a niche where you can target who you want to talk to, but on the other hand, your niche will find you. So I yeah. like I knew who I didn't want to coach, right? I wasn't going to do relationship coaching. I wasn't going to do. Uh, adolescent coaching. I wasn't going to do ADD coaching. So I found entrepreneurs, executives, creative people. Um, and then all of a sudden, I got a referral from somebody to do some training with a group about lawyers. And I didn't like the training. So I ended up becoming a coach for the lawyers for three years after they took the training. And then I did coaching for government employees because somebody saw me do a training for FAA and all this, you know, so things fall in your lap if you're visible, if you're doing things you love and show up. At this stage of my career, I'm not doing, I'm very choosy about coaching clients. I probably have six individual clients, but then I still do some mentoring, some teaching, and I have to reserve time for golf and hiking. So. Very important. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick, I, I know that I'd be remiss. I, at the very beginning, I talked to you about what you're up to now, and you were kind enough to share about your life. But I also know that you've got a, pro, a program out there about, about transformational living, about conscious right. living mastery. Right. Tell us about this. Well, that's an online course, which also includes a live component with me. So it's, it is a course that has 38 ICF credits, 24 core competencies and 14 resource development. So if somebody's ready to get recertified, that will do it. All they have to do is take the three hours of ethics on the web, or they can do it partially. I'm getting ready to revamp it so that maybe by July or August, it's going to be, you can take modules one through four, five through nine, 10 through 12, you know, and in chunks. Um, 
But then I have a second thing I'm working on that would be kind of, I'm going to call it a, I don't want to call it a mastermind group. I wanted to call it a master heart group, but that doesn't have the same ring to it. It's going to be for coaches who want to be in a group coaching situation, not a class, but I'm going to have like a 12 week, 12 week group with every week based on a Beatles song. I'm not kidding. What so, in the so, world? So, so it might be magical mystery tour and get into that woogity boogity mystery, you know, magical stuff. It might be let it be. It might be yesterday. It could be long and winding road. It, I mean, I'm a Beatles nut, but those songs can then open people up to how does this apply to this time in your life? Try to see it my way, you know. I mean, come on, perfect. Wow, that is great. <laughs> I know they're some of the most popular. Uh, courses at some of the highest prestigious universities right are are based on things like that like the, yeah. the wisdom of jay-z and things like yeah, that so, so i'm working on that because it'd be fun i i have to have fun and people who work with me have to understand that part um but it's also enlightening great so by oh. the way so the course is uh, www.consciouslivingmastery.com uh, coaches can sign up for it now they can get the modules sent to them automatically if they want credit then they come to the twice a month zoom groups fill out a little questionnaire and they'll get a certificate and you have a very generous giveaway for our listeners today what 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 free stuff are you giving away well if they go to the conscious you can download module three for free so that is i mean that's you know that's like an hour and a half plus um and then you'll you'll get emails about the other modules and what you might want to know. So it's a teaser, but it's got a lot of valuable information about mask, the mask we wear, masking, what does all that have to do? So that's free. And then if somebody just wants um, a little freebie, this kind of a fun exercise, there's one I call the personal treasure hunt. And you can find that at drpatwilliams.com. That's my website, drpatwilliams.com slash winner. W-I-N-N-E-R. And then please contact me if you want further information. And of course, that email address is doccoach, D-O-C-C-O-A-C-H at M-E dot com. Uh, I want to spell conscious living mastery for people just because, right? <laughs> C-O-N-S-C-I-O-U-S-L-I-V-I-N-G-M-A-S-T-E-R-Y.com. I know it's not great radio, but... It is, you know, the, some people are not from the U.S., right, or North America. Yep. Um, Alex, I'll give you the the opportunity for our final question today. What do you think? I mean, our I this is, I feel like it's, um, I don't know, I'm lo- I don't have the word, I can't place the word, but um, the final question is always the same, Patrick. We're like, what do you want to leave people with? What uh, what have we not asked you? What do you want to talk about? What have we not dug into? To use your own uh, your own metaphor, if you were to put on a snorkel mask and look under the surface, what would you want to share? Well, here's what I would share. I mean, I think COVID has magnified a lot of things we might have been concerned about, like like politics, like relationship, like pollution, etc. I think coaching gives us the opportunity to have more hope and realize that there is an energy shift going on. There are people who want to transform their lives. If we have more people becoming more conscious in their living, hence the name of my course, I really think the earth, the planet, the people on it, 
have a chance to avert disasters. And uh, so turn off the damn news. Don't watch it as much. Watch inspirational videos and puppy videos or whatever. Um, and then enjoy coaching. So wonderful. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for the work you do with people in prison. Thank you for the work you do with veterans. Thank you for all the work that you've done for the coaching industry. And you truly are a pioneer and an extraordinary man. And I'm grateful for that you're continually uh, training and leading people in this industry. I want to let people know one, once more, go to consciouslivingmastery.com and get your free uh, third module, as well as registering for that course and getting yourself 38 Cork, uh, um, CCEUs. Also go to Dr. Pat Williams, drpatwilliams.com forward slash winner and get a free, well, it's just very generous of you, Dr. Patrick Williams. Thank you so much for being with us and spending my pleasure. Time my pleasure. Talk with you soon. All right. Well, that's another edition of the coaching show. I thank you, dear listener. Uh, Alex Sterno is available at the dreammason.com. I, of course, Christopher McAuliffe, available at accomplishmentcoaching.com or christophermcauliffe.com. And uh, this program is brought to you this week, as every week, by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the world's finest coach training program. And we are brought to you on Accomplishment Media, home of many fine podcast. If you haven't checked it out, check it out because there is some delicious stuff here, including uh, desire and extraordinary programs that are more every week. Thanks to your leadership, Alex. Anything, uh, any final notes before we sign off for the day? No, it was cool to be with, uh, it was just, it was cool to be with you and Patrick. I know that you two have been friends. I've heard you guys have conversations. So it was just to see you both in real life, like, hey, they really exist together. It's not just Christopher, you know, doing different voices. Um. <laughs> All right. Well, on that wonderful note, I thank you, Alex, for being here as each and every week uh, we are bringing you people out on the cutting edge of coaching, people you need to know about, or just plain interesting folks. I thank you for listening, our dear listener, and we will talk to you next week. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.